and uh, to be able to meet in person. Now we kind of, I think we took that for granted too often. I pray for tonight as we we dig into your word, God, that you, you speak into us. You show us that you, in fact, are the way, the truth, and the life. And, and how that one verse is such a huge uh, deal for each one of us and what it means for not just us, but for the entire world. God, may we listen to these things. God, may we apply these things. God, may we teach these to other people as well. So you might pray. Amen. All right, so if you have your Bibles, turn to John uh, chapter 14. That's where we're going to be for our, uh, the majority of our stuff. A lot of other scripture we're going to pull in. Most of it will be found in John chapter 14. Have you guys ever been in a, in a moment or had some experience where like a close friend left, like moved away? Has anybody ever had like a close friend move? Yes. My, my best friend from elementary school, I remember whenever he came and told me, we were in sixth grade, told me he was, he was having to move. His dad was a, uh, a Texas Ranger, not, like, not a baseball player, Texas Ranger, but like, you know, police. law enforcement police officer. Texas Ranger. So he was moving from, from here to Waco, and his dad actually became like, like the Texas Ranger. He was like Walker. He was like the main dude. Okay, Walker wasn't the main dude, but this guy's my friend's dad was like the main Texas Ranger in all of Texas kind of thing. So he moved to, uh, to Waco, and it, you know, we, did all th- we did all kinds of stuff together. We went to church together. Um, we played sports together. We, would, uh, we played rollerblade hockey together. That's what we did in the 90s. We did all kinds of things together. And it, was, it was pretty heartbreaking for my best friend here to, um, to move. Uh, from from Milan to Waco, uh, we we keep in touch periodically, not not as often as I would like, um, but uh, it's hard when you have this kind of people. May, it may be easier now because you can find friends on social media or text people. We didn't really have texting back in in 1996. Um, that's not really the thing that we had, and so uh, so it's hard to keep in touch. We had like write letters or you know get online and chat that old fashioned way, but it was it was pretty hard. So I want you guys to kind of imagine this with me here. It's the night before. Jesus, Jesus' death. And he knows that he's about to face the cross. He knows it's about to happen. But the love of Jesus is shown here that he, he comforts his friends. Like, I'm about to die. You know, if I was thinking, I'm about to die, I want like, people comfort me. I need some peace. I need something. I'm about to die. But he, instead, he comforted his closest friends. These are men who had followed him all over the countryside, are now sitting here in, in a final countdown of the hours before the crucifixion. And his last words were with... We're, uh, we're with his disciples in the, in the upper room, and Jesus had just finished washing his disciples' feet in chapter 13. Not only that, but he just told Peter that he would deny him three times, and Judas also had left the room to go and prepare to betray Jesus and set him up to be killed. That's kind of what's taking place in, in the chapters preceding chapter 14. So now we see here where Jesus is going to begin to comfort his disciples. So look at John 14. Uh, verse 1. It says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Uh, this verse is often quoted a lot like at funerals. Because I mean, that's, that's a good verse for funerals. You don't, you know, don't let your hearts be troubled. That's a, that's a good thing, right? So here's Jesus talking to his disciples. He said, hey, I'm about to die. But don't let your hearts be troubled. The Greek word here um, for believe, which is believe in God. It, it, it's used to continue to believe even after he's gone. That's kind of what it's meaning. It's what he's saying, believe in God. What he's saying is, even after I'm gone, after I'm, I'm dead, believe in God. Continue to believe. And disciples were naturally confused. If you just remember, just a few days ago, before this, Jesus came into Jerusalem, riding a donkey, and everybody's just singing Hosanna and like worshiping Jesus. Remember that scene? We call it Palm Sunday. <coughs> Everybody was freaking out and excited to see Jesus 
in him coming into Jerusalem. Now, just a few days before this. And now, just a couple days later, everything is falling apart. John 20, verse 31 says, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. This is Jesus. John is writing this at the end of his book. It says, These things, what I'm writing here, the Gospel of John, what we call the Gospel of John, are written so you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So that's what he says. Now your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And then John finishes his book with that verse. Go back to uh, chapter 14. We see in verse 2. It says, uh, My Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And so, anytime I hear this passage, I kind of picture the old audio adrenaline song. Some of you young people may know that is. May not. Uh, most of the older people probably know the old audio adrenaline song I'm thinking of, the, it's called Big House. I'm not going to sing it for you because you don't want me to sing it for you. But it's, it's, it's just a fun song we used to sing do motions to. It's one of those like church camp songs you'd always kind of do when you were a kid. But anyways, Jesus says, my father's house. He's talking about heaven. You know, no matter what happens here on earth, we have a home in heaven. Y'all hear that? I, don't, I, don't, I hope you heard that. No matter what happens here, we have a home in heaven. That should make some of you happy. Hopefully, make some of you happy. The word for dwelling uh, or rooms here is another word for rooms or abiding places. So it's referring to, in, in the Jewish culture back then, what they would do is, um, like, you know much about, like, first century weddings? You probably have no idea. No, don't know much about first century weddings. This is what would happen. The guy, and Jesus talks about it in some of his, his parables and stories. It's a, it's a beautiful picture. So what would happen is... The guy, the man and the woman, they would get betrothed or engaged. And then the guy would then go on. Like he would go actually go like to his dad's house. And he would start building like the addition onto his dad's house that him and his new wife are going to live in. And if you remember the story of like the, the parable of ten virgins who were waiting there, waiting for the bridegroom to come at night. They didn't know when he was coming. That's literally true. That's what happened. So the, the, bride, the, the groom would build this house. As soon as that house was completed, it was party time. It was time to get married. He would leave, and he would go grab his, you know, fiance, if you will, and then they would have them get married. She had no clue when it, when it was coming. She had no idea. I actually had a, some friends of mine who actually did their wedding in this, this fashion, where they he, he went and, and built, built like where they're going to live, and then had uh, he went and like he called he called her parents and that kind of stuff, so they could come down to where they were, and then he. Uh, Went in, they woke her up one morning and said, All right, today's the day we're getting married. Which probably would freak out some of you girls because you couldn't plan your wedding like you really wanted to. But it's just a cool picture of what God does with us. And so that's what he's saying here. So it referred to that Jewish father who, who built on a room onto his house. And so, in the same way, our Father repairs a place for you and I in heaven. And it's, that's, that's if we trust Him as Savior. Go on to verse 3. And four says, and if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. So here Jesus is encouraging them that even though he is leaving, he will come back for them. He will return. Then we have Thomas. He's, uh, he's being, you know, Jesus, they're talking to disciples. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Like, you haven't told us where you're going. How do we know the way? 
So again, you, you can kind of picture Thomas as being like, Jesus, I've been listening to you this whole time, and you haven't once said where you're going. So uh, how, how do we know where you're going if you haven't told us where you're going? Does anybody have that with their parents? Like you get in the car and you start driving somewhere, and like, where are you going? They didn't tell you anything, you know, but they expect you maybe to know. That's kind of the same kind of thing. And so it's this question that he asked here, how can we know the way? I think this is a question that every, every person asks deep inside their soul. Because we need to know, how can we know the way? I think in every person, God has put it in, in each one of us to follow Christ and to know Christ. That, that desire is there. And I think this question of how can we know the way is in everybody. Whether they, they ask it or not, I think that question is deep down inside. And the world will, will say that there are many ways, but there's truly only one way. We have that famous verse, John four sixteen. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth. In the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the way because I am the truth and the life, basically. So we have here the way. Jesus is the only way to be made right with God. This is it, period. Notice how Jesus did not say, I am a way, but he says, I am the way. The. That's kind of an important word there. Not a way, I am the way. This is it, period. Um, I, I, I have people in my family, um, my wife is one of them, who is directionally challenged. Anybody here directionally challenged? Like if I told you to go you know, north a few blocks and turn east and then go this, did you, some of you guys get there? A few of you guys maybe. But some, for the most part, you know, we like our GPSs, right? I mean, even if you grew up in Midland, you've been here your whole life, somebody tells you to go somewhere, you may not know exactly where it is, so you need your GPS. We like our GPS systems. And of course, it's able to pinpoint exactly where you are and then you give a moment on the planet, which is also kind of creepy. But, you know, I always click, like, current location on my phone so I know where I'm going. Especially, like, if I'm, if I'm in a city I don't know, especially if I'm walking around. Um, like, when I go to youth pastor conferences, it's usually downtown in a city I've never been in. I have no idea where I'm going. So I usually, like, open it up, click current location, and find a restaurant so I can walk to it or whatever. And so it's good to have that. But when, when Jesus says, I am the way, he is saying he is our guide to begin a relationship with God. He said, I am the way. This is it. This starts with me. The thing is, Jesus does not want to just redirect our lives. He came to die a criminal's death for you and to die a criminal's death for me. The thing was, he was perfect. He did not deserve the death, the punishment that he got, much less that kind of um, horrific death that it was. You know, his way is filled with rejection in his hometown, betrayed by one of his disciples. A long walk down the Via della Rosa, and he carried the sin of mankind on his shoulders. That's, that's what he did. He didn't come just to redirect our lives. The world will tell you to keep doing what you're doing, and you might make it. But the thing is, Jesus says, I've done it for you. Out of those two options, I know which one I want to do. He, he did it for me. I don't have to do anything else. It's Jesus. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. He knows what's best for you. Trust God. Follow Jesus, because he is the way. He's, I mean, it's, it's just amazing what, what all he is, what all he can do for us. And we have, he said, I am the truth. So Jesus is the truth that sets us free. Um, I've, always, I've heard people respond to the question on, on what is truth. Um, I've heard people say, like, truth is whatever 
you want it to be, as long as, as, long as you mean it when you say it, or, or some baloney like that. Because um, it, it would be wrong if I said 2 plus 2 equals 5, right? I mean, I know you guys haven't really been in school for the past few months, but you know that 2 plus 2 does actually, in fact, equal 5. There's no other way it can be anything else. Even if I meant it by my heart, and I truly believed that 2 plus 2 is 5, that doesn't make it right, correct? Are you guys tracking? Okay, because it's kind of a big deal. Make sure you guys understand what's going on. I mean, there are people here like Mason who are flat earthers and believe the earth is flat. That doesn't make them right. Okay, Mason, I don't think he's really a flat earther. We just had some fun, dumb videos we shared. But, um, you know, we live in a foggy truth world. But the truth is, Jesus is God. Period. People struggle with Jesus being the only way. They say that Christianity is exclusive. In a way, Christianity is exclusive, but the point, is, but the point I'm trying to make is it's exclusive to anybody who, who wants to be part of the group. It doesn't kick you out if you're one thing or whatever. Anybody can be part of the group. Can be part of the group. It's not like, hey, if you look this way or smell a certain way, you can't be part of our group. It's not exclusive like that. But it doesn't say it is exclusive because it's Jesus, period. And so many people today are, are falling into the belief that Jesus is their Savior, but that other roads also lead to heaven. Uh, Oprah believes this. Um, some prominent historians like Charles Darwin, Charles Dickens, Paul Revere, P.T. Barnum, Christopher Reeve, and several of our presidents actually all believe the same way. But the truth is, Christianity is the only belief system in history where God comes down and dies for his creation. You won't see that in, in Islam. Or any other, any other world religion, God came down to us. And every other religion is always us trying, them people trying to get to God. This is it, only one, because it's truth. And today, many people believe that Jesus existed, but they doubt that Jesus is Lord. Some may say he's just a good teacher, but a good teacher doesn't knowingly lie about what they're teaching. Um, that doesn't make him a good teacher, right? That, that negates itself. If people believe foolishness, well, I mean, if people believe that Jesus was just a good teacher, but not God, that, like I said, that, that's just silly and foolishness. John ten thirty, Jesus said, "I am, I and the Father are one." There's no other way to interpret that scripture than Him saying, "I mean, God, we're one thing." But there's no other way to look at that. And so He's either telling the truth or the greatest comment in history. We're going to get to that more here in a minute. The thing is, we have to look for the truth. So, what does the truth do for us? <clears throat> Number one, it shows us the untruth, right? That makes sense. If you know what truth is, you know what untruth is, correct? This, this just makes sense. So Jesus, as the truth, completely goes against all that the world thinks is truth. Because life outside of Christ is just really meaning, meaningless. I mean, you could say it's not, but it truly is. Christ is the standard for truth. The thing is, there's such a truth, or such a thing as absolute truth. This world tells you there's not, but there is. And the second thing is, the truth sets us free. Jesus said there in John 8, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Anybody want to be free? Anybody? Four of us? Cool. That's kind of, you know, I want to be free from my junk. I have sin in my life. You have sin in your life. I want to be free from that. I hope that you would desire to be free from that stuff as well. 
C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, um, this is what he said. So I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, him being Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level where the man, uh, with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that, option, or that open to us. He did not intend to. I love that quote. There's no other choices. Either he was, he was crazy, or he was lying to everybody. And if those two things are both false, the only other option is he's Lord. He's telling the truth. The thing is, life is found, though, when we lose our life in Christ. It kind of sounds weird and contradictory a little bit, because life is found when we lose it. By founding, losing things, it only works. But truly, life is found when we lose our life in Christ. Has anybody ever heard somebody say, like, man, this is the life? Anybody ever said that? I kind of imagine, like, Brandon, he's on the beach this week. I'm sure you probably thought that this week. Man, this is the life, sitting there on the beach, eating some fake Coopers. You know, most of the time when we say this, we, we're, we're on vacation, right? Or people are on vacation, they're at this place where they, just, they dream of, they, it's just a beautiful place, whether it be the mountains or the beach, wherever it may be, it's for you, where you just picture leisure time and just a lot of free time. You're like, man, this is the life. You know, that's what we kind of say. We're like, I mean, if I can have this much money or, or this much stuff, or if I can have that, that'll be, this will be life. That'll be life. Or if I can have this many likes on my TikTok, stupid video, because they're all stupid, that'd be the life. Right? That's kind of what we're thinking of. That, man, if we could just hit this one thing or have this one thing, that, that would be life. But life is found when we lose our life in Christ. When we follow Christ, we give up everything to follow Him. It may sound scary, but I promise you it's better than anything else this world will ever give you. I promise you that. Jesus taught us to live a life of service, and we are called to love people unto Christ, to help the hurting people. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So Jesus came and he ran to the masses, the broken, the sick, the poor, the lost. And he is the, the beginning and the middle and the end. So if Jesus did this, then, then why shouldn't we as his followers do the exact same thing? So think about this. We deserved nothing. Yet God, through his undeserved kindness and love, makes a way for us by sending his son Jesus to die for our sins and to absorb the wrath of God that was meant for you and I. That's, that's love. There's nothing else we need in this world but Jesus. So we're going to wrap it all up here before we go to our, our small group time. So, since Jesus is the only way to be made right with God, His truth leads us and we find true life in Him. And Peter shared the same truth years later to the rulers and through some saying about Jesus. You see there, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So Jesus makes it clear that he does not show us the way, but rather tells us that he is, in fact, the way. So we want to see students change. My desire to see students change one student at a time. To see you take, I, I think your discipleship journey is not going to be always just leaps and bounds. Right? I think just taking one step closer to being like Christ every day. That's what I'm looking for in you guys.
When I saw the guys all over here, when I asked, last time you read the Bible, they kind of broke my heart. Uh, I'm not going to lie. My desire is to see you guys take a little step every day. I'm not, like I said, I'm not asking you guys to read the entire New Testament in 15 minutes or you know, whatever. I'm not, I'm not, I want you guys to spend just a little bit of time with Jesus every day. To where you get a little bit more, a little bit more closer. That's, that's all I'm asking. That's, I, they don't find me the same way, they may be different, I don't know. But my desire is to see you just become a little bit closer like Christ every day. We're taking small steps to own your faith. Because I can't own your faith for you. Um, you know, with our, with our online stuff, you know, we were very hit and miss with, with who showed up, who, who did and who didn't get on. Um, you know, reading your Bible at home, I can't do those things for you. Um, you have to own your own faith. It's time that you do that. If, you, if, you're not, if you aren't currently doing that, it's time you start. And so the question is, what are you going to do with Jesus? He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. I can't make the decision for you. I can't do that for you. It's up to you. So the question is, will you follow Jesus? If you know him, if you're already following Jesus, are you sharing with those who may not know Jesus? Our world is dark and hurting. Um, just read the news. Watch the news. And that's not only talking about like Tom Hanks' disease. Just watch the news. Our world is dark and hurting. We need to fix it. We need to change the world. Not by who we are, but because who Christ is in us. That's the only thing that's going to work. So I'm going to pray real quick. Then we're going to split off into our, our small groups. We're going to go a little bit deeper. Just be, hopefully you'll be challenged to live like you truly believe these words. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. God, thank you. Thank you for tonight that, that we see that you are, in fact, the way, the truth, and the life. And that you are it, period. There's no other way to get to God. God it, it's just you, period. <laughs> That's all we need is you. I mean, we stop thinking that we need more things, more stuff, or more whatever. God, but it's just you. God, may we be so broken that we see that, that you're enough. We quit relying on, on friends or possessions or whatever it may be, God, but just know that you are enough. I pray for us as we go to our small groups that they may continue just to be challenged and dig a little deeper. That they uh, are challenged by your word, challenged by, by their peers to walk closer to you each and every day, just little by little, God. Shame I pray. Amen.